Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and once again, I'm going to talk about how close Dragon Con is, and how crazy it is that it's this close, and how much stuff I currently have going on in my poor, poor little head. So... I'm super busy. I'm getting a lot of things done. I'm very proud of how much I've accomplished on my days off from work. Uh, Work is funny because, well, there's nothing funny about it, but uh, every year I have to manage my work schedule to go to Dragon Con. Now, fortunately, it's Labor Day weekend, so there are eight built-in hours, if I happen to be scheduled on that Monday, that I get off. Uh... And people don't necessarily do stuff on Labor Day weekend. It's not like it's Christmas or or Thanksgiving. So I don't worry too much about someone else taking... Because once once somebody has selected uh, dates for vacation, nobody else can take them. And if you're... We, we go in order for vacation selection. So if somebody else gets your thing before you do, you're out of luck. There is literally there, there. You can't take the days off. Period. That's it. Uh, because our our vacation time and our sick time are now built into one. So that's just that. That's it. Uh, you're out of luck. So got Dragon Con off, but it worked out so that this year I was scheduled to work the Wednesday and Thursday before Dragon Con and the Monday and Tuesday after Dragon Con. So I went ahead and took all four of those days off. So I'm actually off for 11 days, which means I have three days off before I head down there to get stuff done. But I'm in a really good place right now where most of my notes have been taken. I think all of the promotion that I want to do is pretty much in the bag. Uh, I have contacted everyone that's on panels with me, everything for the game show, like my my ducks aren't quite in a row, but they're kind of meandering towards a a linear uh, formation, if you get what I'm saying. So it's very good. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, and obviously I was able to take that time off. Uh, it's last year I think was the year where I heard it through the work grapevine that somebody was going to take Labor Day weekend off and then make me pay the money. Uh, to give it up so that I could take it off. But I fortunately, I got to pick before this person, but it meant I lost the Christmas vacation that I normally would have taken off and then saved Dragon Con for, for a second because it's very unlikely anybody would take Labor Day off uh, unless they were a, a giant twat waffle who wanted to do something like what I just described. So there you go. There's a little bit about my work. There's a little bit about my schedule coming up. And today... Uh, we are one week out. For me, I still consider Thursday to be the first day uh, because going down there Thursday is as early as I can manage. Because if I don't, uh, if I don't manage myself well on Thursday, it's too many days. And I get up on Monday and I leave because I'm ready to get back home to my family. Uh, so I don't really do Monday at all. So like four days: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
that's it. That wipes me out. I'm done. I, if I went down there Wednesday, uh, Sunday, I would be hurting and ready to go home. So, and believe me, I have way too much going on this year on Sunday to leave on Sunday. So, so for me, Dragon Con is one week away. I'm sure there will be lunatics down there like Tuesday night, uh, drinking and partying. And good for them. More power to them. Uh, if they've got the constitution for it, if they've got the age for it, uh, at 42, uh, despite it being the magical year of answers or whatever, I find that I, I have no more constitution or durability than I have at any other time in my life. Although I'm doing really well lately. I've been eating right uh, for a couple of months now. I mean, in general, I eat way, way, way better than I used to. So for me to say I'm eating right is a little misleading. Uh, but I have completely eliminated uh, things. Because the, the diet I do is the don't eat things I know I shouldn't eat diet. Uh, and, and in general day-to-day -day life, uh, every once in a while I have a thing I shouldn't eat. But for the past couple of months, I have been strictly on the don't eat things I shouldn't eat diet. Uh, and I'm, I'm feeling good about myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm never going to look like Finn Balor, and that's okay. Uh, because at no point am I going to need to put on black panties and roll around with another man in front of 20,000 people. Uh, as, as far as I know, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying it's unlikely to come up. Uh, and I've been walking every single day that I can walk. Now, when I work day shifts, I really can't do it because the day shift just takes up, you know, I, I, I leave at four in the morning, I get home at seven at night, and there's really no, there's no time for walking. But on my days off, I go walk three miles, uh, right around 45 minutes in general, uh, which, which I think is a decent pace. It's fine. I feel good. I feel great after I do it. I've gotten back in the habit of doing it every single day that I can do it, which is pretty much every day when I'm working nights. Uh, so I, I feel good. I feel very good right now. I think I am at my peak lazy man efficiency, if that makes sense to you. Uh, I just, uh, I'm, I've, I've been working hard. Uh, all of my costume stuff is, co I say costume, but you know, it's just suits and stuff, but that's all straight. I've, I've got that set. Uh, I'm in a good place right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some of my schedule. I think I'm going to save the rest of it for next week's episode, which by the way, it will be Mr. Bo Brown talking about the puppetry track. It will post on Wednesday rather than Friday next week. So when you go to needlessthingspodcast.com, Wednesday is when you'll get your podcast for next week because there's really no point in putting up a podcast about Dragon Con when Dragon Con is already happening. So you'll be able to check in next week, get your puppetry track fix prior to the convention, and uh, maybe listen to it on the way, right? Perfect. Whether you're driving downtown or whether you're coming from cross country or flying in or whatever you're doing, the Needless Things podcast will give you an hour-ish of entertainment and uh, next week, informative puppetry action with a lot of exciting stuff uh, for me and Bo to talk about. So today, uh, we are talking to the directors of the horror track, and the urban fantasy track. Now, you know our pal Derek Tatum. He's been on the show before. And Carol Malcolm is a first-time Needless Things guest. She runs the urban fantasy track. And we sit down and we talk about the differences in the tracks, uh, how Derek and Carol program 
their individual tracks and their ideas of what's entertaining. Uh, it's a really good conversation. We had a great time talking. I really like Carol a lot. She's a whole lot of fun. I look forward to having her back on the show. Uh, maybe if we ever get back into doing the Buffy episodes, we'll bring Carol on for one of the Buffy episodes. And I'm feeling extra magnificent because I was actually able to help her with a technical issue before we started recording. And as you guys know, I'm a complete dum-dum about technical stuff, but it just happened to be something. I've talked before about the stuff with my headphones and how my microphone volume sometimes will change. So I just happened to know what might be the issue with the settings, and I happened to be right. It was not any kind of thing I zeroed in on. And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, here's exactly what we need to do. Like, we we figured it out, and it was great. I felt very good. Uh, All right, so uh, without further ado, here is some of my schedule for Dragon Con, which is next week, uh, which is crazy. Uh, Friday at 10 a.m., Wrestling All-Stars. I will be moderating a panel with Lita, Sting, and Rick Flair. Yes, this is absolutely happening. It's crazy. It's the first time I've ever done something for main programming. Uh, it is in the Hyatt Regency 6 and 7. And as I tell you guys this stuff, you can go to the Dragon Con app, which is now live, and you can add everything into your schedule now look i know we can't all do everything we want to do i know that anybody who might want to see this may not be able to show up uh and that might be the case with a lot of my panels that i'm going to be doing and that's fine but if you add it in the app it'll remind you and uh you'll have a better chance of oh that's right the the rick flair rick flair rick freaking flair the nature boy rick flair the man called sting and the innovator one of the forerunners of the women's revolution in wwe lita uh all on a panel together moderated by me crazy so that's 10 a.m on friday uh, 7 p.m. on Friday, Geek Year 1988. This is a Needless Things panel. Uh, it's going to be me, our pal Dana Swanson, Nicole Gould, who you know as uh, Battle Cougar, John Carr, and Gary Mitchell. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's going to be Gary or Joe. They're going to flip a coin beforehand and decide which one of them is going to talk about 1988. And you know how we do 1988, so that'll be a lot of fun. Friday, 8.30 p.m., and I am so relieved to be able to tell you that this panel is happening because originally it was scheduled Saturday night at 8.30, which obviously I cannot do because of the game show. So I, I'm delighted and, and thrilled that my panel with Kirk Thatcher is happening. It's in the puppetry track room, Marriott A704, uh, Friday, 8.30 p.m., add it in there. Uh, then Saturday, 1 p.m., another Needless Things panel, the Video Game Character Hall of Fame. It's going to be me, Beth, Noel, Ryan Cadaver, and Selena, who's been on the show before. Uh, she, I think she came on and talked about the Ghostbusters movie. She hasn't been on as much as she should have been on because she's great. You're going to have a good time listening to all of us talk about the best video game characters, the best classic video game characters, and this will be the first time that our pal beth has sort of run a panel so it's 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 going to be a whole lot of fun i mean granted i'm the moderator but that just means i have to sit there and look pretty i'm going to hand it over uh to these kids who know about the video games and and let them have it no i've got things to say too i like mario uh saturday at 4 p.m 
Uh, William Stout, who you have heard on the Needless Things podcast before. I have recorded several panels with him uh, from DragonCon, and now we have one focusing purely on the man and his work. He has been a production designer on Conan, Pan's Labyrinth, Masters of the Universe, all kinds of amazing fantasy movies. Uh, he's a tremendous artist, and he has the best stories. I'm really excited about that one. Uh, that is in Marriott, a 601-602, Saturday at 4 p.m. Saturday at 8.30 p.m., the big damn game show in the Hyatt International South. It's going to be awesome. Uh, oh, you know what? I put 8.30 p.m. That's when we start getting ready for it. Ha, ha, ha. Just pretend I didn't say that. Saturday at 10 p.m. I'm going off of my personal notes for all of these panels and everything. Because uh, DragonCon sends you your schedule, but it doesn't always include all the panelists or all the information you know. Or, like this, the hour and a half of prep time that is absolutely critical to putting on an entertaining game show. Big damn game show. I'm going to talk more about that next week, but I'll just say put it in your schedule, show up early because I fully expect it to be as big as the game shows that we have had in the past. Uh, you guys are going to have a great time, I promise you. Big damn game show, Saturday, 10 p.m., Dragon Con. All right, I will save Sunday's schedule for next week, or you can look up Phantom Troublemaker in the Dragon Con app. And just add all my stuff. That's all you got to do. And and send me. I'm. They don't have a thing where guests can interact in the same way as attendees. So like, you can't send Phantom Troublemaker a friend request or whatever. Uh, I I wish they would enable that, but maybe it's better that they don't. Uh, but I am in there as Dave West. You can look me up, send me a friend request, or uh, message me your friend code or whatever. I'll add you. I'll add everyone. Uh, just uh, get in there, get in the app, make your plans, and next week, it's Dragon Con. But right now, it's time to talk to Carol and Derek about horror and urban fantasy. Are we ready to talk about Dragon Con? Yes. Sure. Then I will officially uh, welcome back to the show our pal Derek Tatum, director of the Horror Track. Derek, it's great to have you back on. Why wouldn't it be? And, <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time ever on the Needless Things podcast, the director of the Urban Fantasy Track, Carol Malcolm. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, we we are going to hash out tonight on the Needless Things podcast for the listeners, for the soon-to-be DragonCon attendees, what exactly makes something urban fantasy and what makes something horror. Uh, because there's, there's a line there, and I think... I have a, a slippery grasp on it, but I want to I wanna break it down and figure it out. Can you guys help me with that? We will do our best, won't we, Derek? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if we can get a headphone working from, from across uh, the state, then I think we can figure out these tracks. 
or we can That's help true. Uh, you guys have it figured out you can help me figure out these tracks okay so uh horror track and urban fantasy track uh definitely are going to draw from a lot of the same fan pools but there are big differences in the focus of each track now we've talked to derek for a couple of years in a row now and we've got a pretty good idea of what constitutes horror but carol when you think of urban fantasy what are some examples of of what you program for your track well urban fantasy to me is that you have a recognizable world and you have creatures beings however you want to characterize them that live and work side by side with humans sometimes they're known and sometimes they're not you know to the human population but they they don't always have you know they they don't always have a nefarious purpose let's put it that way sure whereas i think in horror they do you know, it's not that you don't you don't find a lot of horror where characters are making f- making friends with the uh, you know the w- whatever creatures or whatever the horror is that they're fighting against. Now I know that there are probably exceptions to that, and and that's not necessarily true in urban fantasy either. That they're always you know the likable friend next door, but they're. Typically, there is at least some of that that occurs in urban fantasy. Well, let me throw a couple of things out there, and you guys can tell me if if I'm right in thinking they're urban fantasy. Okay. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Urban fantasy, completely. Uh, many of the works of Guillermo del Toro. Um, I would say dark fantasy. Uh, which we can get into in just a moment. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our original parent track. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, honestly, with Del Toro, um, I would, I, I think, I like the term dark fantasy because, uh, you know, as you've seen, most of his films are not really horror themselves, but they also don't, typically have the flavor of most urban fantasy uh would you say i'm right about that carol or yes i agree i agree definitely clive barker's nightbreed um i would say dark fantasy as well um i would say airs on the side of horror uh simply because of its visceralness okay okay so what are some examples of urban fantasy uh, the outside of Buffy, which I, I like, I feel like I'm I'm almost there, but not quite. Well, if you wanted, if you want to use the example of of you know things that media now uh, say television programs now, Supernatural is a good example, mm, okay. even though it does have it does have some horrific elements because all urban fantasy can have that. I mean, there are you know, there is something horrifying to people when they first find out that, oh, that that lady next door is actually a vampire or the guy down the street, you know, is a werewolf or, or whatever the case may be. So, I mean, it still has um, kind of that feeling. But I think Supernatural, Supernatural is, a, is a really good example of it. Uh, the former show Teen Wolf was an excellent example of, of that. Um, 
the movies were, you know, kind of, uh, they were supposed to be more amusing, I guess, but, uh, but, and the, the show itself had a lot of humor in it, but, but it was, but it also did have, uh, some horrifying aspects to it, but the, the merger of the two, uh, kind of put it more in the urban fantasy camp I think because of that and because of the fact that yes you had werewolves and you know other creatures uh, other kinds of shifters and things that, that lived side by side with people and you know who some of whom knew about it and some who did not so I think that those those are both good examples things like uh, the vampire diaries the originals uh, Shows like that are also good examples of it. Is urban fantasy perhaps uh, a little more firmly rooted in mythology than than general horror? I think that's probably true. I I do believe that there can be, you know, I I think that there are, there's going to be some mythological aspects to horror as well, but I think that a lot of it has to do with which which direction does it go to or go into once it gets to the story itself, you know, to what you're trying to tell. And I think that you probably would see more examples of it in urban fantasy than you would in horror, where it's more, where it's something that you could say, oh, yeah, well, I see, you know, I, I can see exactly the delineation there. How did they get, you know, start, where did they start, or how, where they started from and how they got there kind of thing. And I'm not sure that, that that's quite as evident with horror, but Derek may disagree. Well, to me, um, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Carol, uh, but uh, to me, urban fantasy, the difference um, is often a matter of tone. Exactly, um, yes. Excuse me. It's like, for example, uh, uh, like a show like iZombie, for example. Uh, ha- and again, this is this is just generally speaking, but there's often more optimism in urban fantasy. Um, yes, and, I agree. Whereas uh, it's like the difference between iZombie and Santa Clarita died almost, I guess. Uh, <laughs> where they're both about essentially zombies, uh, uh, but uh, one is a lot more, uh, uh, almost more, I don't know, family-friendly is the term. Uh, certainly more family-friendly than Santa Clarita Diet. Right, right, exactly. But, uh, also, uh, I think horror typically has a more visceral nature to it. And not only that, but also... Um, to me, a lot of urban fantasy has what I consider the mundanity of the supernatural, where it's like, especially in the in the uh, stories where it's an open world scenario, where people know that there are the are supernatural beings, but it's just part of everyday life, as opposed to most most horror where it's like an intrusion from another world. The unknown is a little more involved in horror. Absolutely. Right. Uh, that's that's a good point as well. But also, uh, and something else to keep in mind too, is urban fantasy doesn't always draw from horror, horror like creatures normally associated with horror. Like you could have a... Um, 
a series about, uh, say, modern-day Greek gods. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of Lost Girl. Oh, yes, oh, Lost Girl's a perfect, perfect example. example. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I feel like I'm I'm getting out getting a handle on this. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like the listeners probably have a good idea of uh of, of the concepts we're talking about now. Uh Carol, now I want to find out how you got involved with Dragon Con and how you became the director of this urban fantasy track. And I, Derek, I promise we'll 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 let you talk more later, but everybody's heard from you for the past two years. It you <laughs> you you have to pass the mic for a little while. Uh, well, it actually uh, my beginnings at or yes, the my my first foray into Dragon Con was in two thousand eight. Uh, Derek and I were involved in, we didn't, had never met in person yet, but we were both involved in an online book club that was through Barnes & Noble, and you know people would interact and everything, and at one point when he had the Dark Fantasy track at Dragon Con, uh, they decided one year to start bringing in, they were starting to get a lot more authors applying that weren't just the same people who had always been applying, you know, who'd been trying to, who would come over the years and everything. And some of whom they, some of the ones they were getting were ones that wrote either urban fantasy, paranormal romance, things like that. So that Derek was expected, they were going to fall to him because with dark fantasy being this kind of big umbrella, they, you know, they, they said, okay, well, we've got all these people and we're hoping you can do something with them. And Derek was thinking, well, I could probably do something with them, but I'm not sure who's going to, you know, we get we can figure out what to do, but who's going to actually do the, you know, work with them and all of this. And so he brought it up one day and I said, hey, you know, that sounds interesting to me and uh, I'd be willing to give it a shot. So that was how I got started, um, was working with him. Uh, with those folks that came in that didn't really fit anywhere else, you know, at the con. Some of them might have turned up over in Fantasy Lit or something occasionally as well. But at that time, the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Lit uh, track was only one, and so they had to cover both types as well. So there wasn't really a good place for these folks to go other than Dark Fantasy. Well, when it be- when after about four or five years... Uh, you know, Derek said, really, there's enough of this programming that it could go off on its own. It could, it could, you know, make an urban fantasy track. Let me do horror. And then, you know, we've got a split. We're going to have some fans that are in common. We're going to have authors that we use that are in common. And all of that is still true. But this way, you know, both tracks can focus on programming that is more specific to their actual area rather than throwing everybody under this one big umbrella. So that was how I got involved. Um, Derek recommended me, and uh, I got asked to do it, and I've loved it. This will be year six of the Urban Fantasy track, and I, uh, I owe him a lot. Oh, that's, for that. that's fantastic. Okay, now, Derek. <laughs> what? How, from your point of view, uh, how has 
your job changed? Well, I don't get uh, headaches wondering how am I going to shove all of this up under one umbrella. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you think the horror track is expansive as it is, imagine it with all the stuff Carol uh, covers also. So, um, but, um, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, certainly uh, things seem to be split off a little bit more evenly. Uh, one of the reasons I recommended Carol for the uh, position is because I knew I could work with her, and I knew that she wasn't going to get grabby about certain <laughs> properties. Uh, and and I think I hope she feels the same about me as well. Because uh, unfortunately, and I I haven't noticed this as bad as it used to be, but I remember uh, probably about uh, five six years ago when urban fantasy was burning really hot. Uh, there was a, a, some fans of the urban fantasy genre really wanted to um, retroactively claim a lot of stuff uh, that was really horror, but now they were claiming it was urban fantasy. And uh, I knew Carol wasn't going to do that. Uh (laughs) Well, from my perspective, there's plenty of urban fantasy out there. And, well... If I can, or if this is okay, I would like to say what a a mutual friend of ours said when the announcement was made about the urban fantasy track, or about the dark fantasy split into uh, horror and urban fantasy, and that, you know, who the two directors were going to be, and uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, author friend Delilah Dawson, she said uh, that she felt as though her parents were getting divorced, but one had a pool and one had a trampoline, so it was going to be fine. <laughs> That's so, tremendous. Yeah, so that, you know, and that was the right attitude to have because it, it doesn't mean that people aren't going to be doing anything. We still use the sa- some of the same people. You know, it's just that now the programming is able to be more specific to what the vision is that not just that we as individuals have, but that what the people that we program for seem to want. And, you know, they can, if I've, we've got, and as I said, we've got people that, uh, you know, fans that are, that still come to programming on both tracks. So we're trying to be pretty careful about not counter-programming things that are too similar, uh, you know, like don't have two vampire things up against each other, you know, that kind of thing. Because even though they might have, a, you know, a completely different tone and approach, much like the two genres themselves, you're going to get people who want to go to both. And sure, so, sure. you know, you have to try to not, you know, don't make it more difficult for people to see what they want to see. Well, oh yeah. And and plus having the two tracks that just means that much more stuff is covered rather than having to narrow yes. it down to what can we cover in one track in this weekend. And and for me personally, uh I, you know, I just I'm interested in the stuff I'm interested in and while I love the horror track, I love the sci-fi classics track, I love the urban fantasy track. Like I I love all of these tracks, but I don't in working with all of you guys, there's nothing in me that says, well, this, this should go to this track. Like, like I feel like, 
and, and I'm not political at all, as Derek, as you well know. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think there is a degree of that in, in, uh, not necessarily in Dragon Con itself, but maybe in some of the attendees where they feel like there's ownership that doesn't really exist, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, well, I, I think part of it is is that when something new comes along, um, and, you know, to be honest, I faced a little bit of that on my, myself when uh, the Urban Fantasy track was, you know, was created. I cover books and media. And some of the shows that I began to cover had been covered elsewhere. Um, and But they really are urban fantasy. So they, belong, they are where they belong. And so in the beginning, there were some people who weren't too happy about that. But that kind of thing does still go on. And what happens is that every time that you kind of more carefully def- define something, when you do that, it does create a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of chaos, I guess you could say, even though it makes things easier in the long run, and it's much more simple now, you know, when you first have those things, people don't, people don't like change, for the most part. Sure, most sure. People don't like, most people don't like change unless they create it. And, <laughs> that should go on a know, t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I I really believe that once they see the advantage of it, that it's fine. And, and now the way it works is that we keep a pretty good, uh, we keep track of, you know, who's covering what, um, you know, I mean, amongst the directors who cover media so that there isn't much in the way of toe-stepping. People might think that something belongs with them. And sometimes if they can make a, a good argument for it that might happen but for the most part uh you know uh everybody's very careful about well this is you know this makes sense um and it's not as though there's not so much to there's you know there's plenty to cover these days this is a golden age for genre television we're lucky the last few years that we have so much great stuff to choose from not just stuff but great stuff and i think that you know people everybody has plenty to do now it's not as though you're taking stuff away from someone when it's just one property, really. Right, right. Well, and that's uh, Dragon Con seems very good about watching trends, being aware of what the fans and attendees are interested in, what they want, and tracks. You know, every year we see uh, obsolete. I, I hate to use the word obsolete, but that's the right word. We see obsolete tracks go away. And we see new necessary tracks added, but I'm sure that there's you know the sound of a thousand souls being shredded every time one of those things happens. That is that is an, a, a great explanation. Yes, <laughs> that yeah, or, or description I should say. Yes, and that, and it does happen. And you know, as I said, I think that you know initially that is a problem for a lot of people who don't understand why it's being why it's being done um not to mention the people that might have had it done you know that it that it it happened to them but but you know but i think that in the end everybody understands that okay well these things are they're not going away they're just being done somewhere else 
and you know they don't have to take things the you know the attendees who um, or the fans I guess you'd say you know that they don't have to feel as though something's being taken away it's just you just have to go to a different store to get it that's all right right and that's the thing is this is all a necessary part of running such a massive fan oriented fan run convention is you have to adapt you have to figure out new ways to provide the entertainment and the coverage and everything else like there you you can't stagnate you can't not with something this big Exactly, exactly. And when you do, you know, you, I mean, people start to feel it. And, you know, I mean, as directors, we can tell, say, there's, there's a particular type of panel or programming that you've been doing, you know, for a few years. And all of this, you know, some things people will keep coming to in droves. Other things they may kind of taper off. Now, the other thing about Dragon Con is that you're always up against something else that is massively wonderful at some somewhere, sure. you know, and you so you can't you can't and you, there's no way to you know to prevent that from happening, other than when it's something that's very specific. Like you know, I'm going to have uh, some of my programming up against something on the you know. That, that's wonderful that's on the American sci-fi and media track or maybe that's something on the fantasy lit track and people just have to make a choice but but you know what's better to have to make a choice between a number of things you like or to not have enough things to pick from and I don't think Dragon Con's ever going to have that problem <laughs> no well and it's nice to know that you guys are are going to do your best to not program like a Vampire Diaries panel up against a Salem's Lot panel. Right, right. So, talking about panels, uh, that we're we're recording this on the most magical day of the year, the <laughs> the day the app launched. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, now this won't this won't go live until Friday, but but for the listeners, we're recording this on Tuesday, the twenty first. Uh, well, technically, I guess it launched last night, but I didn't see it until this morning. So, yeah, uh, it, was, but, it was around midnight or after, just a little after, I think. So. Well, that's I, I had to be up for work this morning, so I knew, like, because they had been saying the twentieth was their target date, and I was like, I know I'm going to be in bed before the twentieth is over, so I'm not even right. going to worry about it. <laughs> uh, but it's up now. It's fantastic uh, for all the listeners. If you do not have the Dragon Con app. You can get it from the Google Play Store, from the iTunes Store. Uh, it's, it is essential, particularly this year, because, and, and everybody ready your uh, moans of despair, the Pocket program is going away. Uh, they well, will, they'll still have the grids, right? Right. Yes, they will still have the program. It just won't have descriptions in it. Right, right. It's just going to be yeah. very basic scheduling grids. The app right. is, and, and look, at this point, the app is, it works. It does what it's supposed to do. It really, you know, it's nice to be able to lay the grids out in front of you, but the app does everything you need and more. So I, I'm, I'm okay with that. How do you guys feel about the streamlining of the Pocket program? 
I personally um, am, I haven't seen the new program yet, um, but I like the idea. I mean, really, the uh, pocket program was a thing of the past. I really was. Um, and, um, I, you know, it, you just kind of got to move forward, forward with the times, and I can see that being a, a unnecessary expensive uh, at this point. You know? Yeah, there, there are many reasons to not print uh, hundreds of thousands of things on paper now. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <clears throat> and then I yeah I I agree with that and I I do I do like the fact that they that that there will still be a small one that is going to be much reduced in size. One of the reasons I decided to do away with it is that there was so much to put in it now that you needed you know pretty much a magnifying glass to be able to read some of the print anyway. It was getting to that point. Yeah, that's that, very true. That's something I hadn't even really thought about, but that's a good point. Yeah, and it was just, you know, more difficult. But I do think that, you know, I'm a former librarian. And so I'm a I'm a um, big believer in having a paper backup yeah, yeah. of things because technology doesn't always work. And, you know... <laughs> Especially you, in the host hotels, technology it, doesn't always work. That's right. And say say somebody, you know, they something has happened to their phone or whatever. So at least they still have, you know, if you have the the paper program, you at least have some kind of an... So you have something else that you can look in to find, you know, to find something as a backup if needed. Now, a lot of people probably won't get one just... You know, as a matter of course, they'll only go get one if they really need it, and that's a good thing too, because why have them? You know, just why we don't want them to just be going to waste and you know laying around on the ground everywhere. Although, come to think of it, I don't really see that many pocket programs just lying around. So, no, it's uh, we see a lot that, of other stuff. It's funny that that's never really been an issue, but I guess people hang on to them. You know, like that. Right. I mean. That's that's a you know a part of me is sad because that's a tra- a dragon con tradition you know for years now for as long as I've been going since 1997 uh well I went a couple years before that but since I've been going regularly sitting down with that pocket program and looking at the grid and highlighting stuff and looking at the panels like that's part of the process but, you know, now it's just you open up the app and you do the exact same thing. You just don't get to use a highlighter or you ruin your phone. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So in this way, though, you still will have the grid so that if you do, you can go through and highlight so that if your phone dies, you right. still have your information. So, you know, I but I but I do agree. I mean, I understand why they, you know, made the decision to to streamline it or to make it into something you know, still useful, but just a lot smaller. It is It is a good way to look at maps of the hotels. You yeah, know? those hotel maps a, are critical because there, there, are some, uh, th- there are some panels such as the, and, and I've got to stop and put myself over a little bit, such as the game show I'm hosting Saturday night that are hidden deep in the recesses of the Hyatt that you have to have a map to be able to find. 
Oh, for sure. I I had a panel that was in there last year that I didn't even know that that like subfloor existed. Right, right. You know, it was crazy. So yes, they yeah, do come in you, handy. Once you get into like the international tower or whatever it is of the Hyatt, it's this whole other weird world that you're like, wait a minute, did is this even the same hotel? Oh, the right. good old dark fantasy days. That's right. Oh, yeah, really? It, Were you guys in there? Oh yeah. Yes, down in the embassy on embassy level, but where the place where I was last year, I think was, I don't remember if it was in the international tower or not, but it was like way down there. It was it was just some really like looked like little rabbit worn hole rooms that were off to the side. So I thought, well, this is something new. I've never seen these before. But well, you get over there and you feel like you're wandering around in uh, what is it? Neverwhere? Isn't that the Neil Gaiman? <laughs> Yes, yes. Like, like you're almost in this alternate Dragon Con reality. Yes, well, <laughs> that that could be. That would actually that would that would make a good story. There you go, Dave. You should you should come up with that. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start working on that as soon as Dragon Con is over and my brain can function normally again. We are right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. So, and that's a great segue because I want to talk. Uh, about your preparation at what because I, I if you're like me to a certain extent you're thinking about dragon con all year long yes but there has to be a point where derek and carol your brains sort of kick into gear and you really have to start with the planning uh what at what point is that for you guys um, Derek, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Oh <laughs> uh, well, honestly, it it depends. I mean, this year was really bizarre because uh, I don't feel like it really ever kicked in, which is very strange <laughs> to say uh, <laughs> at this point. But uh, I, I I'm sure I've mentioned this to you, uh, you know, in a, a, a instant message, but. I remember planning last year more than I remember planning this year. I don't, I mean, and it's like I keep feeling like I should be doing something, but I look at the schedule and I'm like, no, everything has a moderator. Uh, Panelists seem ready to go. Uh, My tech goons uh, are working on some (laughs) stuff to play between panels. Um, Everything seems ready. Uh, it just feels very weird to think that um, I don't really remember planning much of it. I'm, admittedly, this was such a big year for anniversaries uh, that a lot of my fan panels were planned out like almost immediately. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say it's probably around summertime. Uh, probably around the beginning of July where I'm thinking, oh yeah, uh, I can't just say, ah, I can wait till later. Right. That's when you <laughs> realize like, okay, I've really got to start focusing on this. Yeah. Well, for me, I think we have, we have our first, uh, the, the, the gathering of the directors in January. And I, I kind of feel as though that, for me, is when 
things really start to click, you know, to, to getting into that mode again. And as you said, Dave, you do, you know, it is pretty much an all-year thing where when it becomes as much a part of your life as it is, you, you know, you'll see something or do something or hear something and say, hey, that would be cool for Dragon Con or, yes. hey, I could, you know, this would be, this is a great panel idea or something like that. Or, gee, I'd like to see that person at Dragon Con and, you know, that kind of thing. But I think, so I think for me, it typically starts in January where the wheels really start turning. But then it's probably more like about, I don't know, May. I would say pretty much from May on, that's until until con is when, um, you know, I'm kind of in full planning mode all the time. Because Derek can attest to this. We, you know, we receive emails from people all year long. Um, but I would say that probably for me, the downtime is probably about the, the beginning of October through the holidays. And then yeah, beginning yeah. of January is when it starts back up. Because we have, after the con, we have reports that we have to turn in, you know, about uh, different aspects of our programming or the convention. So, you know, you still have a little bit of that to deal with. But all of that's done by, I would guess, the end of September, if I'm remembering correctly. And then, you know, so it seems as though it's those couple of months where, you know, it's it's not as big of a of a a daily concern. Let's put it that way. Right. To where right. That, you know. Yeah, that's uh, when when I start because I I do especially at this point where I, I'm involved in more things than I used to be. Like my my brain turns to well, and you know what? I love the time of year that Dragon Con happens. Because it's Labor Day weekend, so it, you you essentially have the summer to plan, to figure out what you want to do, to get everything lined up, and then it's over, and you have October and Halloween to kind of cleanse your palate. <laughs> there you go. Like that's, I mean, that's really how my brain works with it. Is Dragon Con's done now? I can chill out and just focus on like what's what's happening for Halloween and then you go into the Christmas corridor and so you you have these other things to take your mind off of I guess next year's Dragon Con and then like you said January comes around now for me it's usually February because the the only thing that takes a ton of planning for me is the game show so right, right. February is when we'll have our first conversation about what are we doing this year and it's not serious planning. It's just we're gonna do it again, and let's go ahead and figure out, you know, when are we gonna have our first meeting? When are we gonna do this? When are we gonna do that? And it, it's that. And like you said, the, in it's May summertime when the brain really kind of grabs it and says, "All right, time to zero in and figure out what we're doing." Exactly. Yes. What are you guys excited about? this year what have you got planned because now like i said the app is out the schedule is up your your hard work if i hope i hope this doesn't make you too nervous but 
But you guys, your hard work is currently up for review. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yes. <laughs> what are uh, what what kinds of things are you excited about? What were some of the earliest concepts, Derek? You mentioned that this is a big anniversary year, and you're right. There there are some some movies, some franchises. Well, some movies that turned into franchises that could not be ignored by the horror track. What were the things that you knew immediately, like early on, we have to do this this year? Not of the Living Dead Yes, um, is a major one because I consider that to be roughly the dividing point between uh, classic and modern horror. Uh, I, mean, t- I mean, obviously, it's a horror classic, but as far as it set... To me, it's really set the tone for what was to come after. Oh, and that's that very one... interesting. I've never really thought about that before. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, if you look at it, it's got such has a much more brutal edge to it, I would say, than what had come before. I mean, that's why uh, you know when it was. Uh, in first release, it was getting uh, programmed some places for like the uh, Saturday afternoon mat Saturday afternoon matinee, you know, for kids to go watch monster movies. And here is this movie with a very upsetting ending involving cannibalism, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but that was a major one that we uh, I just could not ignore. And uh, uh, Gary from. Uh, American Sci-Fi Classics will be uh, moderating that one. Uh, also, uh, Halloween. Uh, obviously, I couldn't ignore that one either. Now, how do you feel about the claim that that is the first slasher film? It's the, I would say it's the first slasher film uh, where it all kind of consolidated. Um, ironically enough, I'm probably going to be bringing my Black Christmas t-shirt. Yes. Uh, uh, Black Christmas is a personal favorite of mine. Um, And, I I mean, I would call it a slasher film, but it's almost kind of like a proto-slasher film. Uh, You know, almost uh, kind of of the slasher of what Led Zeppelin is to heavy metal. Well, and that's the thing, is there there were, you know, if, if, and we won't get into it here because that's a whole other episode, but there were movies that fit the slasher designation that came out prior to Halloween, but it was the one that brought that style into the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just to me where a lot of the tropes kind of uh, came together. Yes, yes. Um, also, uh, those were two that we just couldn't ignore. Uh but it's also the 10th anniversary of a personal favorite of mine, uh, Let the Right One In. Um, and that functions as, quote, director's choice, I guess you could <laughs> Sure, I always, sure. Um, I always like to have a couple of things that uh, may be a little under the radar. For, I mean, obviously, that's not an unknown film. But it doesn't have as high a profile as some of these others as far as uh, to a wider uh, quote unquote geek audience. Well look so you, I like to uh, you guys uh, work you guys work really hard on you know each and every year for this weekend of entertainment. 
And I think you certainly, like, I would hope that you sort of slot in a couple of, you know, personal things every year. Like, I hope you allow yourself that luxury. Well, the other thing about Let the Right One In is, uh, you know, for years uh, there has been a myth that vampires have been ruined because some (laughs) young adult uh, franchise got really popular sure, and sure. for some reason this was supposed to have invalidated like centuries of great art and in the heart of all of this going on Let the Right One In came out it was critically acclaimed horror fans loved it and also it was part of a mini renaissance of great vampire entertainment uh, that was not uh, as um, widely publicized but I like to remind people: no vampires were not ruined just because something you like, you hated, got popular. Let me ask you guys real quick because this is an interesting source of controversy in fandom. I think a lot of times when something comes out and is embraced by the public or is critically acclaimed, all of a sudden. Your fandom wants to sort of decry it and and act like it's not really horror or it's not really genre. What is that weird reaction and what do you think? And and some of the examples I'm thinking of are like Get Out, for instance, where it, it is a horror film. And when it was so well received and when it was considered a, a very well done uh, artistically important, socially important movie, but you had people saying, well, it's not really a horror movie. Why would people not want to claim that as part of the genre? Why would you not embrace that? Do you have any perspective on that, uh, Carol or Derek? Well, I think, I think that one problem in this area is that well, I don't know. If, I, it is a problem because of people having the reaction that you're saying. But I think that one of the causes of that is that, you know, genre films, genre shows, um, books, anything, all of this is becoming more mainstream. You know, if, if people want to wear their geekdom like a badge, well, you can go into any workplace and find people who get Star Wars references. They may not be huge fans, but that doesn't mean that they don't under, They don't know what it's what you're talking about. You know. So I think that some people are trying to hold on to maybe a little too tightly what makes them absolutely different because it because even though it might make them it you know sure it's cool but it's not necessarily you know. It's it's not just a, a small percentage of the public anymore, right? You know, right. we. I mean, you know, for how many years did people say, "Oh, the geeks shall inherit the earth"? Well, guess what? You it, know, it's happening, and when it happens, it's it's going to. There's going to be an influx of all kinds of approaches to those genres that people may not appreciate. And to a certain extent, those of us who have been that way forever are as a side effect losing a little bit of our uniqueness of our specialness and there's so there's a resistance to that right and 
I do think that some people have that as an issue, but I do also think that they're not always aware of it. I mean, they're not aware that that's why they have that reaction. Right, right. You know, uh, I think it's a I think it's a multi-headed thing, um, and I try to reject it, to be honest, because. <laughs> Um, but I think uh, you y'all have touched on some things already. I Derek, think a part Derek, of it is you rejecting something does not make it special. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I reject the mind. I reject the mindset of of oh, now it's popular. No, I know what uh, you mean. Okay, but I, I think it's there's a number of things. I think uh, people want to feel like they're part of an in crowd. And if everybody likes the thing that was, and if everybody likes that thing, it's not part of a special in crowd. Yeah. Uh, also, um, and I think also uh, certainly a lot of older fans uh, were not treated well in um, high school. Sure. And, such as myself, for example. I mean, I have social anxiety, uh, but. And I think a lot there's probably some resentment of once something gets popular, a lot of people are like, "Well, where were these people when they were when I was getting made fun of for liking this?" Yeah, and you I know, absolutely understand that. Like even even now in my workplace, uh, there's there's still, you know, the some of the people I work with are not they have no awareness of, uh, I guess, geek culture at all. And there's still sort of a weirdness to that. So when, when one of those people says something like, "Oh, I saw the new," uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the new Halloween. There's a little part of me that's like, "Fuck you." Yeah, it's like <laughs> you can't like that. What are you doing? Right, yeah, yeah. right. But, but to me, as far as I'm concerned, though, if people like your stuff and they genuinely like it. Uh, come on in. I mean, yes. you, exactly. I mean, you, exactly. you know me by now that I absolutely hate this whole attitude of, oh, you can't be a real fan unless you have this deep knowledge. Well, nobody comes into a genre with deep knowledge. I mean, um, you know, one of my gateways was the movie The Lost Boys. And, you know, when that movie came out, that was derided as horrible teen fluff. Some people still think it's horrible teen fluff, but... A lot of people love that movie now. You know, uh, we all get our start somewhere, and you don't you don't make friends, you don't make fans by saying, oh, well, you know, you can't give me some, you don't know some little trivia. Right, uh, right. Um, you know, and, um, I mean, yeah, I think it's great. I can go in a restaurant and people will actually talk to me because they like my uh, Wolfman shirt, as opposed to shunning me as some weirdo. Yeah, that's a good thing for me. Yeah, I that drives me nuts. The the like the geek tests or the horror nerd tests or whatever, where you know if if you don't know the actor from the bit part in the Howling <laughs> right. or whatever, and then well, then you're not really a fan. That's crazy talk. Because one, people can enjoy things without learning the minutia. And two, as I get older, I don't remember any of that stuff. So, like, I, I, you know, if if I'm going to be excommunicated from fandom because my poor old failing brain can't remember 
the name of the supporting character from this specific movie than oh well yeah and I, I do think too that one uh, one thing that seems to get lost on people and I see this a lot uh, within the media I mean with, within the the people who are more involved with the media side of things and uh, you know with the with the book and literary side of things as well is that it's almost as though people seem to forget that what genre storytelling is about is inclusion in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's it, pure and simple. And you know, when if you if you can't remember that or if you don't realize that, then you need to go back and read some of the older stuff too. <laughs> you know, or watch some of the older stuff too. That's that's my that's my feeling anyway. What it boils down to me is, do you love the genre or do you love your ego? Yeah, right. Mm, yeah, yeah, that is yeah, true. yeah. Very well said. Uh, so, Derek, we've got a we've got kind of a, a quick look at some of the anniversaries and stuff we're going to be looking at on the horror track. Uh, Carol, what are some of the things you're excited about programming wise for the urban fantasy track? Well, we got a we got a bunch of stuff going on this year, and uh, we do. You mentioned Lost Girl earlier, and that is pretty exciting for Lost Girl fans that we do have uh, all of the cast coming. I mean, literally, everybody. like everyone, <laughs> everyone, and we even have uh, one of the um, the executive producer Jay Firestone is going to be there a couple of days as well. So. You know that was uh, that that was a big deal to be able to get him there with with the rest of the the cast. Now they won't all be appearing on each. We will have panels all four days, but there'll be a couple of days where some of some of them may not be there because they're doing something else. At this point, they're sure. not scheduled to do that, but uh, scheduled to be there. So that's exciting, and. Um, and I also have uh, American Gods cast coming, and then uh, the librarians. And what I'm particularly excited about in terms of the media guests this year is that, oh, and before I forget, I don't want to forget him, Tom Welling is going to do um, one panel on uh, his role on Lucifer. So that that was you know something else to be excited about but what i what i'm very pleased about is that of the range that it covers because urban fantasy is as well it does cover you know a range of interests from from things that are you know um a bit more typical urban fantasy i would say lost girl and then you get something that you know the the more surreal approach as american gods and the librarians being something that you know even though it has its serious storylines and everything is also has a lot of humor and ha- you know it's an adventure right so right. Uh, so we have something for everyone and i'm very happy about that uh, as far as the uh, the book related things that we have going on uh, i'm very excited that um the husband and wife writing team, Alona Andrews, will be with us this year. And that's their first time at Dragon Con, and they're a huge name in the field. So uh, we're hoping that, um, you know, that every time that that happens, we also attract people to Dragon Con who've never been before. And then, you know, they, they it's like, come Alona Andrews, stay for all the rest, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and Kim Harrison is returning, and I'm, I'm, uh, 
very happy about that as well. Last year was was her uh, first time there. But I do have programming on which 52 authors are going to be appearing. Oh, my so, gosh. Yes. So it is... Um, it's going to be very busy. Uh, somebody that Derek and I are both featuring this year, and he was there last year as well, is Dacre Stoker, who is actually the great-grandnephew of, of Bram Stoker. And he uh, has been, for the last several years, Derek, do you know exactly how many years it is that he's been working on learning everything he can and all his research and his own book. I would say it's probably been about the last decade. It's closed, wouldn't you say? Uh, oh, yeah, because, um, I mean, he was doing that long before we became friends. So. Right, right. We've Yeah, and we've known him just a few years now, I guess. But, but he is coming, and he's done, uh, you know, a lot of work, not to mention he's an author in his own right and has written – um, what was a few years ago, which was essentially a sequel to Dracula, uh, this year, about a month after Khan, is coming out with a prequel. So he's going to be talking a lot about that. So we're excited to both be featuring him. He's going to be doing one thing on my track, and uh, I mean, that is specific to, to his work, and then he'll be doing a full-length, uh, longer presentation with Derek. So, um, you know, those are things that that's a pretty exciting thing to, number one, get to know this person and who has all of this insight and has this kind of history. And, you know, for for people who have the kind of interest that Derek and I do, and, and then to be able to include him and, uh, you know, have him have him exposed to Dragon Con and all of the people at Dragon Con have the chance to uh, come and hear what he has to say and meet him. So, you know, that's exciting. Um, I do have uh, lots of different uh, panels on uh, different thematic approaches to urban fantasy. Uh, Derek and I, um, I I'm, just, I'm speaking for you now too, Derek, but... Um, Neither of us takes a craft-based approach to featuring writers. It's um, because we have the writing track that does that. So, you know, from my perspective, I'm I'm more interested in talking about the themes that you find within the work. And you know, sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, well, how to how do you get to that point um, discussion that goes on. But basically, it's a thematic approach to. Uh, the different types of urban fantasy. I'm, I always have something on, uh, you know, on magic and magic systems because that's a huge part of it. Um, one of the panels that is close to my heart, Derek mentioned a couple that were for him, um, is the it's it's called family friends and foes, and it's relationships and urban fantasy. And this is a, a you know mainly a uh, book based panel but just how the different the, the interplay of different relationships within stories work because if you don't have decent characters you know it, it's not going to work so how they interact with each other to me is very important so those are the some of the things that that i am really looking forward to i i always say if if you have great characters that you can write well it almost doesn't even matter what they're doing. 
That is true. That is true. That's kind of like when you hear people talk about a singer that they really like, and they say, "Oh well, um, they could they could sing me the phone book, and that would be okay." Yes. Yes. Uh, well, and I guess I should mention that um, after the dissolution of uh, the Whedon track um, from a couple of years ago, last year um, Urban Fantasy did inherit both Buffy and Angel, and uh, for which I was very happy um simply because i was a fan from day one watched you know uh, very except, much so. except for the smile time episode of angel which went to the puppetry track <laughs> there you go there you go although i do i have a, a spike puppet that a good friend of mine sent to me that was from that sh- that episode i've so. got the angel Oh, do you? I do, oh, we should I have do. them meet at Dragon Con. We should set them up, and they could have like a, you know, they can a have couple a little together. They can have a contentious meeting. Yes. Yeah, I've could. actually got Carol. I, I'll tell you this right. I think Buffy is the greatest show of all time, and I actually have several Buffy tattoos on me. So. Oh, okay. I, well, I absolutely love uh, Buffy and Angel. Well, and we I'm I'm glad to hear that because I agree with you. It is definitely the best show of all time. And uh we do have we don't have any cast members this year and except I'm sure that uh Christian Kane who's coming yes, for the yes, librarian for will probably field some some Lindsay questions, but uh when um but we do have uh, a program a panel every day during the con uh one over buffy specifically one over angel specifically uh one that is um going to be with people who that i call it working in the buffy verse and it's um three different authors who wrote some of the official tie-in novels and also um george gente who is the uh, comic book yes 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 Yes, and then um, the the last person is Ken Feinberg, who not the last person, but the last one on the list that I'm mentioning, um, who's going to play the chaos demon, who played the chaos demon in season five, who was a little different in that he actually got to speak. Yeah, uh, the show, and you know that was a great that was a great role. So so that should be a lot of fun. So we will be doing that, and then um, there's going to be a, a presentation um, on. Monday about how uh, basically uh, women were the redemption of Angel throughout his whole character arc through the show, through all the shows and the um, the comics. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, very cool. Yeah, because uh, you, you've got Cordelia, you've got, and then through the comics, you've got Faith. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Derek, you mentioned some of your anniversary centric stuff. <laughs> Uh, that you have programmed, uh, what other kinds of things are going to be showing up on the horror track? Well, a couple of panels that um, I scheduled because I really want to see them personally. Uh, Mitch Pelegi uh, talking about uh, his role in uh, Shocker. <laughs> yes! No more yeah. Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A personal favorite horror film of mine. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a shame that that did not uh, go on to other things. But it's a film that uh, he seems to be fond of himself because I've seen him on documentaries uh, talking about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the, so that should be a really good time. Also, uh, Adrian Pastar 
the star of Near Dark, one of the uh, greatest vampire films of all time. Absolutely. Uh, every time and, somebody... Uh, and look, Derek, I know how you feel about the Lost Boys. But every time someone says Lost Boys, I say, Near Dark! Well, uh, look, Lost Boys will always have the sentimental edge, but uh, there's no question, Near Dark is a superior film. I mean, uh, and... Uh, you know, this. Uh, I actually the last time Adrian Pazdar was uh, at Dragon Con, I actually took time out of my schedule to go down and uh, thank him for that film. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking. Sometimes you got to do those. stuff like that. You know, sometimes you just got to. Even if you're not going to get a picture or an autograph or anything, sometimes you just got to take a second because I mean, we get amazing people there that you may never see again. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And for the listeners, like. As as silly as it may seem, because believe me, I know I've been there, we've all been there, but if if there's something you love, if there's a movie you love, if there's a character you love, and the, the person is there, the actor is there, the writer is there, whatever it may be, it, if you f- just take a second and go tell them, I freaking love that thing you did, and and it'll it'll be great. You should do it. You should take a minute to do that. Every single time, but uh, th- th- those are just a couple of the pan- uh, uh, media panels we have. Uh, uh, Dennis O'Hare uh, from American Horror yes. Story, True Blood. Um, uh, he's coming back, um, and um, also uh, a horror film director, Lucky McKee is uh coming which i think is a little bit of an unusual guest but oh yeah uh, i think really cool he doesn't do Uh, a lot of this does he not to my knowledge but um when the possibility came up i thought you know that's he's unusual enough uh that i think that would be interesting if he if he's interested in coming uh yeah i'd love to see him there Uh, to me he's he's a big get because from may um from his work in Masters of Horror, from, I mean, he's he has a very unique, recognizable vision. Like to me, he is a noteworthy voice of horror. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. He's not just a, a work for hire kind of right, right, right. Get out of the genre <laughs> kind of director. <laughs> yeah, he's he's making something because of his passion. Yeah, but. Um... You know, I, uh, I I don't know if this was a hint earlier, but on uh, the Twitter feed, uh, the DragonCon uh, main DragonCon account posted something about how uh, there were a couple of rooms that had opened in the West End and how it was safer to stay in the West End than in the Bates Motel. Yeah, I saw I, that. I don't know if that was some kind of a hint or not, but I've been kind of keeping an eye on it. To see if maybe there's a surprise, for, another surprise for me waiting in the wings. <laughs> uh, I mean, we 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 have a, a, a we have a, a full lineup as it is, but uh, hey, that would be cool. Uh, I love that show. Um. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, and that's the thing is, even though right now, as we record this, we're a week and a couple of days away from Dragon Con, there are always last-minute 
announcements, things happening. Uh, so for the listeners, you can go download the app right now, get a really good look at the schedule, get a look at the guest list and everything that's going on, but just know between now and, well, for me, Dragon Con starts on Thursday. For a lot of people, it starts on Wednesday. Uh, when, when do you guys show up? What What is your first day of Dragon Con? Thursday. I, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, Derek said Thursday, I believe. I didn't mean to. Know. We, I think we started to speak at the same time. Uh, and um, typically, that's when the the real the real work begins. But I'm actually going to come on Wednesday this year just to kind of settle in a little bit because Thursday used to be my settle in day, but that has become <laughs> a little too busy. So now it, it's it's going to be. That oh, and that 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 is something I should probably also mention is that uh, one of the reasons is that I'm actually having a program on Thursday this year, and it's just going to be a very laid back, see how it goes, see how many people actually show up for it kind of thing. But I'm doing a, a supernatural trivia, supernatural as in the television show. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's just going to be, you know, for an hour or so just to give people a chance to come. And, you know, a lot of people are there, but they're not necessarily going to one specific event. They like to just kind of walk around and get the lay of the land, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I thought it would be kind of a fun thing for Supernatural fans to get to do that, uh, you know, with something outside of the programming itself. So we're going to do that. It's a neat kind of like meet the track thing, right? Right, and it, and the you know the part of the key there being you know low key. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. That, you know that. Uh, so it, it'll be. I think. I think it'll be fun. All right, you guys. It's time. We. It's time to start wrapping up, and it's the point where things are going to get really tough and really brutal here on the Needless Things podcast. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm going to start with Derek. Derek, if you had to pick one panel from your programming to attend this weekend, what would it be? Mitch Pelegi, shocker. <laughs> wow, that was not as tough and brutal as I thought it would be. Yeah, I was going to say, you were expecting to have to... Right, I Gosh. thought that was going to be an agonizing decision. All right, Carol, Derek threw it right out there. He was ready. He knew. Can you answer as swiftly and as certainly? Probably not. But I will say that I think that, you know, mainly because there's so much there's so much going on there are so many things to choose from but i i do think that probably people who enjoy the genre and if they've ever watched the show at all would probably enjoy the lost girl cast just because they are very entertaining so i'm guessing that 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 will be a big draw and that that would be something I would recommend to people. But uh, something that's close to my heart and to yours, Dave, is I, on Sunday night the the Buffy uh, panel um, that I will be doing a um, retrospective. It's uh, from Slayer to Hero, a Buffy retrospective, just kind of talking about 
her growth over the seven seasons. That I think will be important. And then, you know, any there, there's another one that's actually not till Monday that is a an idea that I came up with and I thought, oh, look, some of these people who are still going to be here on Monday, I can use them and <laughs> to put on this panel that I really, really want to do. <laughs> it's called it's called Deals with the Devil, Consorting with the Dark Side in Urban Fantasy. And this is a book-related panel and about how often, you know, the the urban fantasy idea of having to basically fight against evil, you know, or to make sure that, you know, things stay safe for the human population, sometimes for the others. Anyway, and this idea was that sometimes in order to get to that point, you have to work with the, you have to work with the bad guys. Right. So right. I'm sorry, I couldn't stick with, I couldn't stick with um, one, <laughs> but those are three that I think will be, that are probably um, fairly indicative of what the track is all about. Awesome. Well, before we go, uh, are there any last words uh, that that either or both of you have about this year's Dragon Con? Uh, any any tips? Any thoughts for the listeners for the attendees? Well, one thing that now this works for both of us for both of our track rooms. If it's if it's programming now, my track. And Derek's track, we have programs when for the media guests primarily that are in larger, you know, some of the main rooms, and those might not even be in the Weston. But if you're coming to something that is on the urban fantasy track or the horror track that is in the actual track room, then what you can do instead of having to go through that main hall of the uh, of the Weston. That, which comes in at the, the Chastain floor where all that is. Well, my track room is directly at the back of that, but if you want to skip going through that all of that uh, traffic on the busier days, you can come in around the side, you know, that side door that comes in at the, lob- the lobby level, go up the escalator one floor, and my, my track room is right there. Well, then you can go up two more floors, and Derek's track room is right there. People don't have to go quite so much through the... Through that you know, front, Elfos. super busy, yeah. lo- that narrow front lobby, which which I love the Weston, but that's amazing advice because it is it can be a little frustrating to navigate. Right, right. And this way, we're very fortunate in that we have those, you know, that we're we love the Weston, but it's also nice to be in an area where, that you can get to without that. Um, you know, without having to go through the melee, so to speak. Um, And and also, uh, I just wanted to say that on social media, people can get, um, you know, information on the track all year long at DragonCon Urban Fantasy, if you look it up that way, on Facebook. The Facebook page is the one that that I update all the time, uh, you know, no matter what time of year it is. And that is a good way to find out what's going on with the track. And we, we do have a Twitter account also that is uh, at Urban Fantasy DC. And that one has more going on this time of year than it does, you know, during our more downtime. But those are how to find us on social media. And we also do have a website that uh, is linked through the main uh, DragonCon website. Very cool. And Derek, uh, any any last thoughts to share? And where can we keep track of the horror track online? 
Well, um, you know, there is a uh, very honestly rudimentary web page that's uh, connected to the DragonCon website, uh, horror.dragoncon.org. But as with many things these days, the best place to get information aside from the main DragonCon site and the app now. Uh, but as far as track specific stuff, uh, or, uh, the Horror Track Facebook page, which just type in DragonCon Horror, that should uh, that should find it pretty quickly. There's a page and a group. Uh, also, my uh, Twitter um, account. Uh, I tend to uh, use that uh, with frequency as we uh, ramp up. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, just uh, come out, and I hope everybody has a good time. They like what I've uh, cooked up and what my uh, volunteers are putting on, and the uh, uh, all the great guests and uh, attending professionals, and even Clay Gilbert. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope uh, they like. I hope everybody enjoys these things. Uh, uh, I really, it sounds cliche, but I, I, I continue doing this for the uh, uh, little family of fans that have come together and uh, hope they just have a good time. Absolutely, yes. I, I second that. We, we hope to see a lot of people there with us this year. It's always, it's always great to see people that are the same people that you've seen you know, for five and in this case six years for both of us. But it's always great to see new faces, and we appreciate people like you, Dave, giving us a chance to reach a wider audience. Well, absolutely. And for all the listeners, download the DragonCon app. Check out the Urban Fantasy track. Check out the Horror track. Make your plans now. And uh, go to DragonCon and have a great time. Uh, Carol and Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about your tracks, talking about how you got involved with DragonCon. And I can't wait to see you guys in like a week. I know. It's crazy. Thank you so much, Dave. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And we're good. Are we good? We're good. That was great. Well, good. Yeah, well, it was a, from my end. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. Thank you for I coming on. I'm glad. I'm glad Derek brought you in. That was a good time. All right. Well, I'm going to. Uh, I've been up since three thirty this morning. So. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so uh, the happy damp, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get some sleep. All right. Yes, I will. Uh, that. I I will. Uh, if if I can pack him in my stuff. I will pack my angel puppet and bring him along. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, well, that's, that is hilarious because I sh- I'm afraid that if I bring my... Well, what I might do is bring yeah. him just for, like, the Buffy panel or something. You know, when I'm going to be there. Like, not leave him in the yeah, room yeah. The or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, just for the panel. Because people, yes. people get such a thrill out of, oh, like, yeah. props and visual aids. Oh, yes. It's, it's Absolutely. such a fun thing to do. All right, well, thank you guys. And, uh, Carol, I look forward to meeting you, uh, hopefully. Same here, I was going to say. Yes, yeah. I hope that we can do that at some point. So, uh, yeah, I'll be kind of be either in – I'll either be in the Weston or in the Hyatt. Very cool. Uh, pretty and, much all weekend, so. And, uh, Derek, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll track you down Thursday if I can. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, look for the guy in the Ghoulie shirt. Yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, wait, what about that? What about the Princess Bride shirt I got you? <laughs> <laughs> I used that to uh, uh, wash my car. You line the bir- line the bird cage. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. gives it that, to that, his that, cat. Yeah. <laughs> The voice from the other room, uh, that the whole Princess Bride thing started with him, by the way. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. He kept saying how 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 great it was, and he even bought me the DVD, and I sat down oh, and watched it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is funny. I didn't realize that it was Paul, so yeah. Oh, God, yes. Not oh, that's me. great. Other people on Facebook, too. Now, <laughs> well, we'll, Derek, sometime when you're in Atlanta, we'll have to get together and do a needless commentary on The Princess Bride. <laughs> like a pro and con. That would be great. Absolutely. You need, and you can you can have Paul be the referee. <laughs> yes, bring Paul along. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hash it out. All right. We'll see you guys shortly. Okay. okay. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so that little bit of business at the end about the Princess Bride, uh, normally that would have been cut. I would have considered it after topic conversation, which which happens with just about every episode, where it'll technically be the end of whatever we're discussing, and then we chat for a few more minutes or, or another hour or so, depending on who it is, uh, usually Chad. But... That one I left on because Derek has this public thing about the Princess Bride not being very good, and I've never really known what the story was. And, you know, I love the Princess Bride, so it's been one of those things where, like, I know he's kind of playing around, but every time I see it, I'm just like, come on, guy. But now I, now I know, now it makes a little more, now it has some context. And uh, now it's just a funny bit that Derek does. All, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't mean it, because he very clearly does uh, when, when he says he, he doesn't get it. Uh, but now now I know. Makes a little more sense. So I left that in there for those of you who may observe the uh, crowd on social media that surrounds Derek and the horror track and whatever else. Because the typically the where he'll go is that Ghoulies is a better movie with... Uh, than Princess Bride, which is, of course, patently ridiculous. Anyway, uh, Dragon Con, it's happening. Uh, before we end this show, I want to tell you to go to themysterymenofsurf.com. Find the Mystery Men on Facebook. They do our interstitial music. We love them. Uh, you should support them. Uh, Les Sexoflex provides the music you are listening to right now, and while they may not technically be a band anymore, you can still get all of their music from lesexoflex.com. And, of course, NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. Every single week, a new episode of the Needless Things Podcast and articles about dorkery and pop culture and all of the things that we love, like you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.